Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is oh. A thunderstorm. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Colin Sexton impresses in his return to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Harrison Barnes finally hits a shot against the Cavs. A little painful, but you know what? I'll live with it after 2016. And Broderick Thomas impresses in his first NBA start. With me today to talk about all of that and more is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? You know, it doesn't impress is your, is your laptop, Justin. No, no, it does not. I, I want to apologize for all the Chase Down stream teamers uh, that, that were waiting for us. Uh, my laptop just did not want to co- cooperate. I tried getting everything queued up in time. I was even ready 40 minutes early, and then it just all crapped out right at the end. So I apologize to all our listeners that we're... Uh... We, we still love you, boo. Yeah. I, Just I... in a desktop computer, 2K21. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm doing good, though. Um, I'm, I'm in PRing just a little bit. Um, because I've got a sleeping baby on the other side of the wall that just did not want to go down for her nap at one o'clock. So now we're trying to buy a little time on the back end. So you're just going to get the dulcet, relaxed tones of Carter Rodriguez trying not to wake up his daughter and trying not to piss off his wife. I don't mind it at all, man. I, I, I do oh. not mind it at all. Um, well, let's start first with that game against the Kings, because I, I was a little disappointed, obviously, for it to end that way. Uh, you were hoping that Harrison Barnes w- would miss that shot. Um, I'll tell you what, I had no, um, I had no, like, emotional reaction to that. It was like a, well, if it's going to end that stupid, then I'll just go to bed. <laughs> Like I, I, I kind of giggled in the way that you do when something ridiculous happens. And I just turned over because I was watching on my phone in bed and I went to sleep and I, I did. I, I haven't thought about it since. I get that. But at the same time, I really wanted the Cavs to add a win without a center to their resume because they would have been the first team in NBA history to win a game without a point guard, win a game without a power forward and win without a center. I haven't done any research on that. I haven't looked that up. I just feel very confident that that's true. And that would have been a really unique thing. Uh, you, you kind of assume that Harnstein is going to be with the Cavs uh, for their game against Utah. Uh, not exactly the debut that you'd want against Rudy Gobert, although I guess he's not the most dynamic offensive player. He is still capable of going off in those ways. Hoping Jared Allen comes back with the concussion. But as we've seen before, concussions can kind of be one of those touch and go things where there is no real timeline on it. Whenever you're better, you're better. But it was nice to see the Cavs be so competitive. I thought if there was ever a game for you to start, Larry Nance and Isaac Okoro as your two bigs, it's against the Kings who go very small with Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes now that Bagley's out. And you, you know what? It was a really competitive game. A lot of little mistakes along the way that all kind of added up to that loss. But I, I thought it was encouraging overall. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, it was a pretty demoralizing L to take against the against the Lakers, you know, where they were competitive, even though it was an ugly game against a skeleton crew, and then their offensive water just shut off again, which seems to happen, you know, more often than you'd hope. Mm-hmm. 
but uh especially after a certain other podcast were um happy to yeah happy to note how smooth the <laughs> offense was going early um you know whatever love you evan love you chris um you know i think that uh yeah you you kind of this felt like another schedule loss you know and i feel like this team has kind of consistently surprised us on these back to backs where we are kind of expecting a wire to wire L because the situation calls for it. And every now and again, they'll just come out and really, really compete. I mean, this is a Kings team that record is not hot, but they have certainly been improving over the course of the year. And they, they're on quite, quite a bit of a heater as of late. I think they've won six or seven in a row or something close to it. Uh, Maybe a loss sprinkled in somewhere in there, but uh, you know, so I was, I didn't have high hopes for this game. Um, and then they came out and competed even without, you know, one of their core key members in Jared Allen. So I don't know. I didn't have anything too negative to take away from that game other than you should probably guard inbounders on 80 foot passes. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that's a reasonable conclusion and to rub a little salt in the wound or to add some insult to injury, whatever phrase you want to go with. It is a little disappointing that uh, De'Aaron Fox clearly stepped in bounds as he was throwing that pass, but you know what? Like, that's one of those things didn't have a huge impact on the play. Obviously would have had an impact if they called it, but um, you know what? That happens. It, it's certainly understandable. It, it's frustrating, but that that's one of those losses where, and, and for everyone that's listened to this podcast, you know, we're, we're never going to advocate for tanking. That's not the way we go. Uh, I think tanking is for losers, especially under this new model, but you live with losses, right? And, and this is what we've been saying all season where you are going to get those losses organically. It's just going to happen when you have a team this young. And I, I think there's a lot of things that being in this game, being competitive and, and ending with a loss, it caused a lot of reflection on what went wrong. Uh, Sexton spoke uh, for the need of being a little more locked in possession of possession. Um, he certainly kind of let De'Aaron Fox get wherever he wanted in that final possession, giving him up that and one uh, that, that kind of set this whole chain of events. Uh, you had missed free throws from Sexland altogether, both Darius and Colin. Uh, they hit big shots down the stretch in, in the clutch time, but they also had those free throws missed. Nance blamed himself for the missed free throws. It, it's just one of those things where, yeah, you can point to the final possession, but there's so many little things they could have done along the way. Uh, another one that comes to mind is Garland uh, kind of limiting some of those turnovers. I thought he tried to force it a little too frequently in this game. But it, it's a growing experience, and, and these are the growing pains that this team needs to go through. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens here, you know? It, it's just when you're, when you're playing a skeleton crew, you're starting a two-way player, you're playing uh, another two-way player off the bench uh, in an eight-man rotation is, you know, things ain't always going to be executed perfect. You know, I, 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 I just don't have, like, I don't know, man, maybe I'm crazy, but I just don't have, like a gargantuan take after this one. It's just like, you don't you know, have a take Carter. Come oh, on. I that's, know that's the thing. You got, you got to come in really hot. You got to come in really, really hot after every single Cavs loss. That's, that's the only way that we can go about this. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be uh, probably the best for, uh, uh, actually, I don't even know what that would be the best for listens, but it would be probably <laughs> the best way to like generate like a point of view for this episode. But like, I don't know, man, it's just like, yeah, I saw mostly good stuff. Um, I think if you have a point of concern, it's that, you know, oftentimes you're just getting as many points as shots from your backcourt uh, when the offense is not humming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there's not a ton of efficiency to be found there. Um, Okoro had another tough offensive game, you know. 
Yeah, um, that, yeah, that was a disappointing one. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, good, he, he had played pretty well, I thought, recently, where you saw a little more assertiveness. The field goal percentage was good, particularly for the on the road, uh, where he struggled for the majority of this season. But he, especially in the first half, he just was really not assertive. And I don't know if it's just kind of the, the change in personnel where all of a sudden they went really small and uh, Broderick Thomas, who's fighting for his, his NBA career and trying to stay in the league, was just a little more assertive. Uh, the, the offense was also running through Larry for the first time instead of Garland. So maybe that caused some of it. But And I it, do think there is a degree of that where if there is no Jared on the floor, it's easier to run the offense through Larry. You know what I mean? Like... Because he can, you can run that high post with 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 plenty of spacing, and like that is just kind of makes that a little bit easier to do. Right. No. No. I I think there's validity to that for sure. But I you, you just want to see a little more from him. Uh, we all knew coming into this season that he's raw. Uh, that this was going to be something that's going to take time. So you, you got to kind of allow for that, but. You also want to see more, right? Like you see these flashes where he can actually go out there and do stuff. He he had a nice feed in the fourth quarter to to Nance when he uh, attacked the closeout and kind of drew that help defender and found Nance cutting to the lane. You you just want to see more of that from him. But uh, overall, I I thought it was a, a pretty good game for the Cavs. Yeah, I thought it was too. But can we talk about probably the most noteworthy part of it? And I kind of feel silly that we didn't bring it up earlier. Okay. No Jetty, no Wendler. Yeah, so... What are your th- thoughts? That's really interesting. So that kind of ties into Broderick Thomas, obviously getting his first NBA start here. I thought he was impressive, and this ties into what we talked about in the last episode, in my opinion, where we were talking about how after the break, after the trade deadline, rather, that everything was going to have to be uh, merit-based, where these guys are going to have to go out there and earn every one of their minutes. I thought Jetty really struggled in that game against the Lakers, uh, particularly in the second half. I think it's pretty cool that JB's listening to the pod. Oh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I'm going to take credit for it. Uh, I'm I'm going to do that uh, Skip Bayless thing where when I criticize a player and he does well, um, I'm going to give myself credit for motivating them and if they don't do well i'm going to credit myself for being right about them no i i i don't know how much it's going to change moving forward like i I would expect at some point jetty's going to get another crack in the rotation he's going to get another opportunity to earn minutes but there is an interesting thing happening right now where you have a variety of inconsistent options offensively when it comes to Jetty Osman, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, and Broderick Thomas. Like, Thomas has not shot well the last two games, and I think it's important to note that as a lot of hype is building up around him. But at the same time, when you're, con- when you're choosing from a variety of inconsistent options offensively, at some point, and especially with this team's ethos, you start to lean towards the guys that consistently contribute on the defensive end of the floor that have a higher floor when it comes to their overall impact. And in my opinion, Broderick Thomas, Lamar Stevens, both of those guys, they bring energy intensity and they really compete on defense. Yeah. They're going to make mistakes, but you, even though they don't have the the same kind of offensive upside as Jetty, where he's going to hit or attempt like eight, nine threes in a game and maybe hit a, a bunch of them. They do bring something to the table, especially when the team's stagnating, which they have been lately, that I I think was missed. And I don't know if, um, you know, if if any part of this was injury related or, 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 you know, we don't know. We 
we don't have that kind of uh, insight as to why he made the decision. But I will say this. I feel like you can boil down everything you just said into kind of one sentence, which is, well, if they're not going to make shots, we might as well put someone else who can do other things on, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like we can get bad three point shooting out of Lamar Stevens just fine. Thank you very much. But he actually brings a lot of other things. So, you know, I don't think that this pretends that Jetty and Dylan are out of the rotation. No, Um, but I, I don't think so. But I will say this, you know, both are slumping. Both seem to be in their head at least a little bit um, shooting the ball. And it's like a matter of this is where you got to go earn it back in practice. You got to go. And and what's hard about that is that there aren't that many practices. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really interested to see how this kind of shapes up. And a lot of this, again, is, you know, we're waiting on the team to get healthy. You know, uh, Kevin Love reportedly is practicing again. Matt Delvadova has been practicing a little bit. And, you know, I think those two right there start getting the offense moving a little bit. Delhi as a backup point guard that actually can run a little offense. Kevin Love being a, you know, multi-time all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, I, I'm, w- I'm with JB here. You know, I think this mm-hmm. is actually the right call. Now, an eight-man rotation is not something he can just run with uh, moving forward because it's just not practical. Um, you know, especially not on a team with this, this current tap talent level, but as, as kind of a, you know, I'm just going to reward my athletes, my, my defenders, my ball movers. Um, I thought it was a pretty, pretty, I mean, I, I think it clearly worked out in his favor, but he is going to have to find some backup wing production. Uh, yeah. and honestly, some starting wing production, you know, I mean, this is where it, it, it's hard for Okora who doesn't, who has a nascent offensive game charitably, which is that if the backups aren't playing well, then, and he's not playing well, then they're just, they, they got zero from the wing. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Lamar Stevens playing backup four, some three scored six points. Okoro scored two. Uh, and there are your, uh, your wings, wing points for the game for the Cavs. No wonder they're not able to score a ton, you know? So ideally they'll just get healthy. I don't know when Torian Prince might be coming back. Um, but Man, they they could just use some Ju ice, man. I I agree, and I I think one thing that's important to note as well is that when you are playing Thomas and Stevens, there's some concessions with that. I I think maybe less so with Thomas because he he is a, a confident shooter. He's just kind of trying to figure out kind of where his spots are. But let's say you are playing Lamar Stevens more down the stretch. Well. At the same time, you can't really complain, well, they're not getting up as many threes. Well, yeah, th- that's going to happen because you're, you're playing a, another slasher that doesn't really have a confident outside shot. It probably kind of, when it comes to the outside shooting, more of a work in progress than even Isaac Okora when you look at the, the percentages and whatnot. So th- there's going to be concessions a- along the way. We, we understand that um, in keeping with our philosophy of don't, try to have a take after every single game uh the same way that we're a win without calling sexton doesn't make us go oh well now they don't need sexton obviously um the same thing goes for jetty as a rotation player i i'm certainly i've been frustrated with him lately I, i think especially when they do seem so close in some of these games you're like well if some of the rotation players actually stepped up this would be a win and that's a frustrating place to be in. But at the same time, we are dealing with uh, multiple inconsistent options. And uh, when when you mentioned the absence of practice time, I, I do think that an important thing to note is that while you can't really take credit 
for developing Broderick Thomas. It's not like he's been in Canton and in the G League and within the Cal system for a while and he's finally getting a shot. It's not a Dean Wade situation. I do think you need to give some credit to the Cavs coaching staff overall of preparing him, of giving him the uh, confidence to go out there and execute. Now, there, some... I, if you had told me that Dean Wade would be playing 30 minutes in a game and I would be completely fine with it, uh, at the beginning of the year, I would have been blown away. This dude just keeps impressing me. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like he posted crazy numbers or anything either. You know, he has 13 points and, uh, you know, a few boards, nothing crazy, but like he just is so rock solid for this team on both ends of the ball. Um, you know, a couple active hands, got a couple steals. Like, I just really, really like having him on the floor and like, I'm happy to see him out there as much as possible. I mean, until this team starts getting healthy, um, you know, like, I, I really think there's a, a case to not be playing a new addition, Isaiah Hardenstein, a ton of minutes once Jared Allen is healthy. Because oh, okay. Dean is just going to keep earning backup four minutes, you know, which means that you got, you know, once, once you, you know, you can only play Larry so many minutes. Um, and I'd almost rather just go play small with Dean Wade. He's earning these minutes so well. And the offense has been kind of a little unstuck in those minutes. I feel when they're, mm-hmm. when they're playing with the small ball five, I know Larry doesn't love to do it. Um, I know it only works in certain situations, but like, I just keep watching Dean Wade. And, yeah. I, I don't need any less of this, which is not what I would have thought. Yeah. It, the only thing that I'd bring up is it was clear that he wasn't as confident defensively on where he needed to be as when he was playing those center minutes, like you, you could tell that there was a few times where uh, he didn't fully understand his, his assignment, um, that there were some breakdowns, which is, is natural. And, and maybe with time that changes. Um, but I, I agree with you that he, he has been really impressive. He, he's been earning these minutes. Um, one thing that I do hope that they take from this game and carry over is using Larry Nance more as a playmaker, particularly kind of at the top of the key. Now, I had a good conversation with this uh, about this with Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs, and I want to credit him, of course, because uh, we, we like to give out credit here, where we were kind of discussing who should be the relief valve uh, in a lot of these situations. Now, the Kings didn't kind of do the hard double or the trapping Garland uh, way above the three-point line like some other teams have to take him away, and some of that has to do with Sexton being there. So it's harder to do that and justify doing that when Sexton's on the court and can just burn your defense if you're committing that much to Garland. The other part is I I really did like uh, having Larry be that relief valve because when Larry comes up to the top, he's more of a threat to shoot. He can blow by a lot of guys defensively uh, if they close out to him. And he's more capable of making that read. Now, I think that's a valuable skill set to develop with Jared Allen. So I understand Chris's point when he we talks about, hey, uh, this, this season obviously is still a developmental year. Let's get those reps for Allen. But I'd still like to see Larry kind of be the primary option there because as much as Allen's not going to provide spacing the same way Larry does, if Allen's the one at the, the nail or at the top of the key, you, you still you get better passing and better reads out of those situations. And I, I think Allen could be a great threat there in, in the dunker spot. Justin, I have to ask, do you think it's a relief valve? Uh, did I say relief valve? Twice. Man, that's Release. weird. You know what? I, I'm going to credit. Release valve. I'm going to 
I'm going to blame the computer for that. It, it's I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's really fun. Uh, I'm just I, I I think we'll have to review the tape. That's okay. all I'll say. Okay. Uh, I I thought this actually you know the way, the reason I was asking is I thought it might be a Canadian thing because I mean both 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 things would work you know like the word is not wildly different. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a tom- I thought this was going to be a tomato sandwich uh, <laughs> situation where we found out that you were just different than us. Um, I'm definitely different. I'm going to credit just being generally thrown off this afternoon. Uh, by by that's okay. Um, going. So to to actually engage with your point and not be an asshole. Um, I would. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because you know, Larry, you want to be that that relief valve, uh-huh. uh, but you know, the 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 spacing can get a little gunked up. You might need him spacing, and I actually get you get Chris's point, which is Jared Allen actually needs to get reps as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to push this team forward, then him being a reliable, uh, you know, secondary playmaker has a lot of upside. Larry's better at it. There's just no way around it. He's a better passer. He's got a better natural feel for the game. He's more experienced, got a better handle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know, man. I think in general, they're getting a lot of reps breaking these, these traps and breaking these hard, hard hedges that kind of feel like doubles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they still mess up. I mean, Colin dribbled into the corner, into a trap uh, in crunch time and then called a timeout with one second left last night, which is about the worst possible set of decisions he could have made. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a, a, a set of young guards uh, that are you know, still figuring out how they need to attack it. And then the team figuring out how they need to help them. But, you know, I, I guess I don't actually have, again, I don't really have a huge take here because really what I want to see is uh, the player, every, all the members of this young core and, you know, including Larry, just continue to develop together, continue to figure out how to beat coverages together. So it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually much matter to me who gets their reps. Yeah. It- to me, it's just that Larry is a more consistent option and I want to see them win games. But they're, especially when, if it is Larry, in theory, you have Jared Allen, who's not an outside threat. You have Isaac Okoro in a lot of those lineups, who's not an outside threat. And then it's basically Colin as the one shooter. So there is a, um, it makes it a little easier to defend. But you kind of hope that some of the, the activity of Okoro and Allen off the ball can make up for that so maybe as the game progresses and you stagger uh, and there's more shooting on the floor you can pull that off with Larry uh, you, you get Allen those reps when it's with the starting lineup but I mean in general the biggest thing is it just it works better when Sexton's out there on the floor the offense is better when Sexton is on the floor with Darius Garland because it gives them that other option and to me it was just it was such a thrill to, to see him come back after those two games where there was a lot of times where as much as Garland's playmaking is fun, the offense gets stagnant at times because teams know there is only one legitimate way that the Cavs can generate reliable offense in those situations, and that's Garland. So they try to take him away, and that's part of why I advocate for using Larry as a playmaker because it gives them that other option, and Sexton can continue to do what he's done all season off ball. Now, um, I, I, 
obviously there, there's so many different ways to kind of approach this and a lot of it is personnel issues right like this, this isn't a finished product as a roster and you only have so many options you can make like when they played the lakers frank vogel made adjustments at halftime you could tell that they, they were really emphasizing trying to take garland away the Cavs don't necessarily have the same personnel now lakers were certainly missing guys but the, I mean, the the Cavs missing Sexton hurt a lot in that situation. Um, so, I, I, I it's all part of the growing pains and part of the process this season. So, in the at the end of the day, I'm I'm not too concerned about the Cavs not being able to make those adjustments on the fly. No, I mean ultimately, like I think that in general, man, I, the the vibes around the Cavs just get so bad because of the way they they lose when they lose. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I didn't actually care about the Kings game at all because it's like, listen, you know, it was an entertaining yeah, they, game. Entertaining game. They messed up at the end, and Eric Barnes hit a really really tough shot. Uh, and boy, I'll bet that felt good for him. Um, but you know, like it's not like the Lakers game. I think the ones that are harder on the solar. It's like, okay, they're just not going to score for eight minutes at a time, nine minutes at a time, a quarter at a time. And those are really, really painful. But what you have to remember in the, in the aggregate is this is a team that won like seven out of 13, I think heading into that Lakers game. Yeah. Like they've been playing pretty much 500 ball. It's just their wins typically uh, haven't, haven't been jumping off the page as much, which actually I don't even know if that's true. I mean, they handled Boston, they handled Toronto. uh, And then they, and then they, took care of business against Chicago. So like, it's just the losses can get the ugliness factor and the losses can get so ugly that I think sometimes people are kind of not accounting in the aggregate very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's ultimately like why anyone would be worked up because honestly, I feel like relatively ambivalent around about the Cavs right now. I'm not feeling like terribly hyped. You know, I think Garland is playing pretty well. Um, I think that Okoro is slumping pretty hard. Yeah, uh, I am kind of bummed that the team just can't seem to get healthy because that's really what would be fun. And I'm starting to feel like they're just going to be fighting uphill the rest of the year with regards to health. Mm-hmm. And that's not informed at all. It's just, you know, the feeling you get after, you know, the the 37th straight game, uh, Kevin yeah. Love can't play. You know, it's just, it's just hard on, it's a little bit hard in the spirit, but Ultimately, like I feel like things are mostly trending pretty well. They're still playing better basketball than they were uh, during that terrible losing streak. It's just you know they, they just have le- they don't have a ton of ammo right now. They're playing Broderick Thomas, Lamar Stevens, and uh, Dean Wade a, a ton of minutes. And even though Dean's been great, like there's just not a ton of pedigree on the floor right now for the Cavs. Yeah, where are you on Broderick Thomas? Because I'm now graduating to very interested in him. Oh, like I, I, I actually went the other way. See, I, I, I was very curious. So after last game, I decided to do a Google and figure out, okay, well, who exactly is this guy? First thing I discovered was that 6'11 wingspan, which makes sense. Uh, that guy's out there. Yeah, blocking. you can feel it. Yeah, he blocked two shots, uh, had two steals against the Kings, which was great. Uh, I was very surprised to hear that he played D2 in college. Uh, <laughs> not exactly what I expected. Third in the uh, G League Rookie of the Year voting. I, I just, I like his confidence out there. He, obviously, last two games, he hasn't shot particularly well. But 
I, I just, he carries himself like an NBA player. And, and to me, that's always one of the more exciting things when you talk about a guy that's trying to break into the league and, and trying to make an impression because so, so much of the time, those guys are just afraid to make a mistake. And this guy's not afraid to make a mistake. No, he's been, he's been solid. You know, I mean, I think that he is a little too unafraid to make mistakes in the sense that he's trying to, you know, attack, uh, NBA level athletes, just one-on-one off the dribble without an advantage. I don't think he's that kind of player just yet. Um, I think what I've most enjoyed about watching him is when he's able to you know, get a pick and in drive and kick, you know, I think that's, that's where he's impressed me. Obviously the, the, a lot of, um, a lot of like, plays that pop up on tape on the defensive end, but offensively, I think he's been pretty okay driving, kicking. Mm-hmm. And uh, also as a, as just a catch and shoot guy, I think he's probably freelancing a little more than he needs to, especially now that Colin's back. Um, but you know, I, I think he's been pretty good, pretty good so far, man. And you know, that's what you're looking for at these two way players. Like I, I'm trying not to get too caught up. Cause I remember the Jared Cunningham uh, era, you know, where it's like six, five, really good athlete guard and it's like you know they still got to put it together and and consistently compete and you know guys just being a good athlete with size and you know a few a few pop plays does not an nba player make so i'm trying to be fair to him by like kind of keeping it taking it slow in my expectations with him like yeah i've been i've been impressed on plays i'm happy to have him out there but like there's still a lot a lot a lot to work on for him to become I'm like considering for even like being on the team next year. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not slotting him in as a rotation player moving forward. I, I think the, of the group of kind of fringe guys that the Cavs have tried out this season, the, the only one that I would really slot in is Dean Wade. Like to, to me, he's just an NBA player at this point. Uh, yes. Lamar, Lamar Stevens is interesting, but at the same time, like th- there's nothing he does at kind of like an elite level or to the degree that would make you think, okay, well, we, we can start kind of slotting into what he can well, be. Go ahead. Yeah, well, here's what it is with him. Like, if he can't shoot, he has to be uber elite at something, and he's just pretty good at, at a bunch of things. But, like, he's got to either get the jumper up or get great at something else right. if he wants to stick, in my yeah. opinion. So, yeah. like, I, I'm a big fan of his game. I'm happy when he's on the floor. I, I'm happy to keep giving him these reps. But like, there you're right. I guess is is a short way of saying that you're right. There's a road ahead for him. Exactly. And the other thing that I'm factoring into a lot of these discussions is, in all likelihood, the Cavs are going to have another lottery pick. Like, even if they make the plan, which I, I think now is looking as a long shot, as you drop a couple more winnable games that. Yeah, maybe if you were fully healthy, you win those games, but you weren't and you lost them. So I, I, I think as that becomes more and more clear, this draft is just so loaded on perimeter players. And you already got a lot invested in that. Uh, you, you, you got the, the sex land backcourt, which they're going to be part of the future for sure. Isaac Okoro is there. If you add another wing or another big guard, which this draft is pretty much primarily made up with, you're going to have very limited opportunities for another kind of perimeter player. And you're already invested some draft capital in Dylan Windler as well. Uh, you don't know what the situation is going to be with Jetty and Torian Prince. So it's hard to slot any of these guys or, or be too committed in them. But what I do like is 
looking at guys like Broderick Thomas, like Lamar Stevens, that are at least interesting, that they go out there and they give you some quality minutes, they give you flashes of, okay, well, that might be worth caring about. And to, to me, that's a, a kind of feather in the cap of the Cavs scouting. Uh, that's encouraging because we've talked about how important it is for a market like Cleveland to find those guys on the margins, to find guys that could potentially make an impact down the road. So to me, that is the aspect that's encouraging. I, I, I'm not necessarily slotting them into future rotations. I, I don't know if they're going to be part of next year's playoff team because they are going to make the playoffs. Mark it down. Bookmark me. Uh, do, do whatever you want. I'm, I'm very confident about that. Um, but they're at least interesting. And, and to me, interesting is good, especially when you are talking about the rest of the season is likely going to be a lot of developmental minutes and, and trying to figure out what works and, and throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, for sure. Can I ask, can I change the subject with a question? Uh, I'll allow it. Thank you, sir. Would you, in free agency, uh, say that a bigger need is backup point guard or mm -hmm. scoring slash shooting wing? Um, God, Ugh. I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit um, by saying it depends on who they draft. But for me... Probably I'd rather spend in free agency on a backup point guard and use the draft capital on a wing. Like I, to me, wings are the toughest thing to come by, especially playmaking wings. So as much as I'd love to, to spend, there just doesn't also seem to be a lot of great options on the free agent market there. So to, to me, a, a better use of your resources is to solidify the backup point guard uh, position uh, through free agency and use the draft capital on a wing. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you, um, though. It, I just just thinking about it. I think the biggest reason that it's backup point guard is you can find those in free agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's really, really hard to find helpful wings for, like, it's the mid-level even. It is such a deep position, backup point guard. And you know what? We should actually correct a little bit of what we said on the last podcast about them not having a backup wing, because Delhi is actually practicing now. And I, I think in theory, if Delhi can even get back to what he was doing at the tail end of last season, that uh, in the second unit alongside Sexton, like I, I think having another kind of combo guard out there, another guy that can run some pick and roll and alleviate that to allow him to continue to play off ball the same way he does with Garland. I, I think that that could at least be, uh, <laughs> I almost called it a relief uh, valve again for you, just just to, just to bug you. Uh, but... I would like to, I would like to note that both uh, Chase in the uh, in the YouTube chat and uh, our friends on Discord uh, have both confirmed that you have said relief. Okay, I'm I'm sure I said it wrong, but in my head I was thinking release. Well, well, here we go. We got Joe 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 Collar, uh, our dear friend uh, in the Discord, saying. Uh, relief is a valid term. Pressure relief valve and preserve release valve are used interchangeably at his work. So there we go. Ooh, you know what? I'm all about intellectual integrity. So I will say that I misspoke. I, I won't take credit, even though my mistake was still correct. See, that's that's a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see Delhi back, though. I, I and do. honestly, I, I think that um, you know it. It feels like we as a fan base have gone through like 500 iterations with 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 Delhi, mm -hmm. where it's like, we love him. He drives us crazy. We love him. He drives us crazy. But like, you know, I just think ultimately, like, he's such a good adult to help stabilize a backup unit. Like, and 
that happened right when he came back to the team in that trade with Milwaukee that sent him George Hill. It's like, oh, there's our back. There's our guy. That that's 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 the kind of play we need. I remember he had like 13 assists in the game really early on. And he's not an elite player by any means. Um mm-hmm. I there will be people who will, you know, argue that he is harmful till the day they die. But like I don't think that's the case, one. And two, I think especially on a team like this, he adds a ton of value as kind of an example setter. And then also as as that kind of veteran on the floor, they don't have a lot of you know, we talk about the way that this team in their construct tried not to be the Cavs post decision 1.0, which is a bunch of kids just, you know, playing around out there with no, with no structure. Yeah. That's one spot where this Cavs team has no vets in their backcourt right now when Delhi's not around and mm-hmm. like having someone like him with the team practicing on the court, it's just so different than watching from the bench, even when he's with the team. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very hopeful that we'll feel uh, maybe an intangible bump when he comes back, and I'm excited to have him back. Uh, and beyond that, just let the guy's career kick back off because you know yeah. it's it's been pretty pretty tough year for him. I mean, has the concussion uh, and is like it's reported that it could be career threatening. He says no, it's not. I'm going to come back and play and he's getting close to being ready to play again and then gets appendicitis and needs to get his gets an appendectomy so it's like man guy can't catch a break but i'm really excited to have him back on the court yeah i i completely agree because it like quinn cook is interesting but he doesn't bring the same traits to the table like he quinn cook is probably in a vacuum a better player than delhi but for the needs of this team i i do think that um, Delhi brings what they need to the table, which is nice. Like, uh, I think Dante Exum did that a good job of that as well earlier in the season. And I think Delhi can replicate a lot of that. I'm also really interested to see how Hardenstein does. Um, cause it, it, getting him back in, in, or not getting him back, but kind of seeing his Cavs debut, even if it is against, uh, the team with the best record in the league it is going to be nice. Um, and the other night. Not that there's ever a nice thing about a concussion, but at least with Jared Allen, like there is going to be a break this season, like or this week that the, the Cavs actually get a little bit of time off, uh, a little bit of time to rest and recover. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that because I, I do think that this team desperately needs it. They they, they just uh, really uh, need some time off. I love that uh, break is constituted as two days off. It is. Under this situation, like when when you're talking about whether or not this team is able to get healthy this season, part two of days it, off with a travel a day in there as well to get home from Utah. <laughs> exactly, that is as much rest and recovery as you can expect this season. Like uh, as unfortunate as that is, that that's the case, and, and that's part of why when you say, "Well, I, I kind of worry about their ability to get healthy." There's just no recovery time. There, there's absolutely none this season. So you're going to have stretches where you are you're careful. You're you're going to sit Colin Sexton for two games just because you don't want to chance it. So, I mean, it sucks. It really sucks. But this all kind of feeds into my, my thinking that this team is better than their record. That next season, under more normal circumstances, having gone through this experience, they're they're going to be a tougher team. They're they're going to be a more experienced team and. It's why I still got that optimism. Like I'm with you right now that my excitement on a game to game basis isn't as high as it, but I'm not miserable either. You know, there were times this season where I've been miserable and I don't want to turn on the game, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, a 10 game uh, losing streak will do that to you. Yeah. By that, that margin. Yeah. But like, 
no, I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Like I'm, I'm in very much like, like, I feel like I, I, I'm surprised there seems to be so much takery around the Cavs as of late. Cause I don't, I'm, I'm not, not living in a place where I've got a lot of like strong vibes. I'm, I'm not surprised by that because like at the end of the day, team building is not a science. There, there is no right or wrong way to go about it. And so many people have differing opinions on what's the best course of action, what um, they, they have different levels of confidence in the young players. Like there, there's so many different ways to view the rebuild. And especially if you're coming from either a cynical point of view or a, I need to see it before I believe it point of view. There, there's plenty of ways to kind of poke a hole, but I, I tweeted this earlier today. It's still kind of in that range where for a lot of people, it's like if they win a game, it's, oh, they're, they're stupid. They're hurting the lottery odds. If they lose by a big margin, the young players suck. You, you can't count on any of them. They're I don't think, I, I don't, can I push back? I don't think that many people are that worried about lottery odds. I think it's just Drew in the Discord. <laughs> I, I see I see it a lot on Twitter. I, 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 I think, I think, Drew, I think Drew is your, is you is your like focal point for a Cavs fandom you don't like? I I don't think so. I don't think I so. I, I like him. Oh, I, I I like Drew. No, I I I'm going to push back on that just a little bit because I I, see I know I just wanted to make I just wanted to make the joke because I think he'll get a kick out of it when he hears it. Okay, that's fair. But I, I actually had a spirited conversation on Twitter uh, about the lottery odds and kind of team building approach yesterday before the game and. I, I think I actually converted someone, which, which is always a win because that doesn't happen very often on Twitter. And, and often I, I don't engage. So you're the, the first one. Yeah, th- this might be breaking new ground. But uh, t- to me, like, it, it's still just because it isn't an exact science and there are so many variables and luck plays such a big part of this equation. People get general anxiety. There's a lot of angst. And I, I don't necessarily blame Cleveland fans for being skeptical, for being hurt from the past. Like, I understand that. It, it, it's totally reasonable to me to some extent. I just think people need to really make an effort, especially in such a weird year, to keep everything in perspective. That, that's one of the biggest things for me. Yep. I mean, our dear friend Dave DeFore. So there's <laughs> a lot of games trying to have a take about everyone. And that's kind of the way I felt going into this spot. That's why I was so kind of milk toast to be honest I didn't have that much to say because okay. it's just like we're just waiting on waiting on more actionable stuff you know i just kind of we're we, we got to kind of there's going to be some some stuff we just muddle through and we don't have a lot of actionable things as a staff as a podcast etc just i just think we got to kind of wait for a larger sample here with the, with this team for the rest of the year i will say this i will be ready to go small sample theater if Hardenstein cooks Rudy Gobert. I'm gonna he, to... I mean, saddle up. I'm ready. The the jokes are going to be flying off the shelves, man. It's going to, it's going to be uh, Black Friday for uh, hot takes coming out of this podcast. So uh, hopefully that's the case. That, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday live streaming at 7. Uh, 7 Eastern. I'm going to make sure everything's working. I'm going to have everything fired up. I, I thought I had that done today. I thought I had that done today, and then my computer decided to crap you out on me. You blew it. Uh, but I, we I still do, love you, Justin. I will do the troubleshooting. I will figure this damn thing out. I apologize to our listeners that we're listening in live. But if you guys are listening in live now or listening on the podcast, 
give us that sweet, sweet subscriptions, whether it be on the YouTube channel, Gloom Cavaliers official YouTube channel, or in the podcast feed. It really makes a huge difference. Don't forget to leave a rating, review, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs.